Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. As always, my name is Nate Antetomaso. On the phone, we got Evan Knowles. How you doing, man? Doing well. Where are you right now? I'm in LA, so I'm here just hanging out. I wanted to come out here. I used to live here, uh, so I wanted <laughs> to just come out here and uh, relax for a long weekend. Nice. Um, so you're in LA now, but a couple days ago, you were still in Lexington, and you went downtown a few blocks away um, from where you work and where you live over to Awesome Inc. And I think our conversation with Brian over there was just awesome. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Uh, awesome Inc. is a really important part of uh, the Lexington community, the Kentucky mm-hmm. entrepreneurship community. So we had to make sure we got them on the podcast and highlighted, you know, their story, Brian's story and kind of how they're helping uh, grow entrepreneurship and technology in the region. For sure. I think, um, you know, I think it, it'll come across in the conversation when people listen, but Awesome Inc. is really a pillar of the the technology and the entrepreneurship um, space in Lexington. And they do all kinds of things from startup boot camps, coding boot camps, fellowships, um, co-working, just everything. I mean, they're really furthering the entrepreneurship and the technology space in the area. Yeah, for sure. And I think it kind of... Uh, it's kind of a good wrap up. Um, so this is actually going to be the last episode of the season. We're going to take a couple months off around the holidays, um, regroup to bring you even more content next year, better content, we hope as well. We're really excited to build this out some more. Um, so Brian Rainey at Awesome Inc. is kind of a good way to, to showcase someone who's really making a huge difference as we close out the season. Yeah, yeah I think it ties everything together really well. Yeah, I'm really excited. Everyone is going to enjoy this episode. Uh, awesome Inc. is a great space. I'm trying not to use the word awesome too much. Uh, it's a it's a great space, a really cool space. There's always something going on in there, and you can kind of hear that uh, in the episode. You'll hear um, some people in the background, some activities in the background every now and then. Um, you can really kind of just feel that energy in the space. Um, so without further ado, let's do it. All right. All right, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Once again, my name is Nate Antetomaso. I am in Chicago, Illinois. Evan Knowles, you're down in Lexington. How you doing, man? I am. I'm doing well. How are you doing with that snowstorm up there? Uh, well, the snow kind of cleared. Uh, Monday was really bad. I tried to, well, I did go into work on Monday. My company sent like a Slack message and they said, if you need to stay home and work from home, feel free. So I took that as a try to make it in. <laughs> So I went in and I was literally only person in the office. Wow. It was just me and everybody else was working from home and we did like our big status meeting at the beginning of the day and I was the only one sitting there on the video in the office. Dedication. Yeah. I try, you know, I do my best. Is yeah. it cold down there? It's freezing. Yeah. It's gotten awfully nippy down here. Uh, I, I work right up the block from here, but I decided to drive. That's how cold it is. <laughs> Here, so get into it. Where are you? Let's kind of... Yeah, so we're downtown Lexington. Uh, we are in Awesome Inc.'s uh, facilities here, awesome facilities, uh, where they host all kinds of cool events like Five Across, Startup Weekend. Uh, they have all kinds of developer uh, portals around here, so it's a really cool space Brian's built around here. So I think that's a good segue. Our guest is Brian Rainey, the founder of Awesome Inc. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you guys for having me. We're really excited uh, to jump into this conversation. You're actually our last episode of the season. You know, we've been doing episodes all year, and we thought you were a perfect kind of finale to what we try nice. to do this year. Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, talking to Brian when I got here. Uh, this whole season really been a great first season for, for you know, Metal Tech. We've really had some awesome guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole point of this podcast is to highlight entrepreneurship and technology you know, in Kentucky, in this region. Uh, so you're up in Chicago. Uh, we're down here in Lexington. And so we're always trying to highlight, you know, what's going on in the Mideast. Uh, because oftentimes when you talk about technology, it's always San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles. Uh, so we're trying to fill that gap uh, in the middle. And we've, mm-hmm. I think we've done a good job of that so far this year. Nate, what do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, if it wasn't the plan from the beginning, but building up 
all season to this uh, episode. It's going to be great. Um, for yeah. those who aren't aware, Awesome Inc. is one of the, the pillars of the technology and the entrepreneurship space in Lexington. And Brian, of course, is the founder, is a huge part of that. Um, so I think a good place to kind of start it is, Brian, just talk about your background and, and how you got involved in, in technology and business. And that started, uh, I'm sure it started before, but that kind of really came to focus in college, right? Sure. Yeah. So in, in college, went to University of Kentucky and graduated with a computer science degree. Um, and then I, I actually loved college so much that I didn't want to get out of it. So I was kind of desperately seeking another path to stay stay in school for a little bit longer. So I decided to go and uh, do some graduate studies in economics. And I was actually in the PhD program starting off, uh, but realized pretty quickly that a PhD program is a little bit different than an undergraduate program. Yeah. Uh, in the sense that it's a little bit more, a little bit more tolling and the expectations are a little bit higher. So um, decided that I was going to uh, kind of cut it short and get a master's in economics. Um, and I guess at the same time, I was really dabbling in a lot of businesses of my own and kind of starting some things uh, that I had, had a higher interest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of what led to the decision to, to uh, just cut it off with the, the master's of economics. But um, I've always had a really strong interest in both business and technology. Um, even when I was a, a kid, I remember putting computers together and playing around with um, developing websites and software on, on the computer. Um, I remember one of my favorite favorite gifts of all time was one Christmas when my parents got me a a modem, which was what you used to use to connect to the internet. Um, <laughs> it was, I think, a 14.4, uh, which I think, stand, I, I honestly don't even remember, but I think that stands for 14,400 kilobytes uh, that it would transfer <laughs> over the internet. Um, and this was back in the days of like, really like pre-AOL. Um, so we would get on these little like messaging boards and just like message our friends and kind of use them for you could kind of hack your way through um, some interesting programs that way. And then, then AOL came out and made, made the internet a more legit thing. Um, but I've always had an interest just in dabbling with technology um, and also an interest in starting my own, own businesses and, and did a lot of that through high school and, uh, and even into to college. And then obviously out of college, I've uh, stuck with that trend. Yeah. So would you consider yourself more of on the business side or tech side? Yeah, I, I think if you would have asked me that question as I was going into college and, and starting my computer science degree, I would have I would have expected that I would fall more on the engineering side. Um, and in the early stages of, of my businesses, that's probably was the truth. Um, but as we as we grew um, and as we would hire on more programmers and more engineers, um, I have stepped back from from that side of things and focused much more on the the business side and the entrepreneurial side and just the uh, a lot of the business development side of things um, is where I tend to kind of focus most of my attention these days. Got it. Uh, how, did you, how did you get interested um, in business? You know, technology, you said that you, you had that modem as a kid and it might have grown from there, but the more entrepreneurial side, where did that interest come from? Yeah, so I think um, I mean my my dad was always pretty entrepreneurial and had a, had a few side businesses himself. He was never into it full time in the way that that me and my brothers are now. Um, but he was he had an interest in it. Um, I think I really liked the idea of working for myself and getting to pick who I get to work with, which still to this day is one of the the largest benefits of being an entrepreneur is that I get to pick the team that I work with. I get to pick the customers that I work with, the partners that I have. Um, so that was something that I've always been interested in. Um, even in like middle school and high school, we would like me and my brothers would start businesses around um, whether it was snow shoveling or lawn mowing. We did a newsletter in my um in my like neighborhood, we would actually write a newsletter and we started off by kind of giving it away almost as like a free kind of free edition for the first few months. And then we tried to start charging people for it. And I think we probably sold about three subscriptions in my entire neighborhood. And that was mostly, I think, pity 
uh, signups, just people that felt sorry for us that we were we were trying so hard and not uh, not selling any subscriptions. But um, just always interested in kind of doing doing my own thing and and building things uh, from the ground up. So I think that's that's also kind of led into uh, college and post college running businesses um, at that stage of my life as well. So Brian, you said you dropped out of college or you didn't drop out of college, but you finished your master's um, and then decided not to continue with yes. the PhD. The, what did you do that there? PhD program would probably consider me a dropout. So, so that's <laughs> okay. Wanted to make sure not to perpetuate any stereotypes there with dropping out of college. <laughs> um, but when you decided not to continue with the PhD, what did you end up doing at that point? Yeah, so that was a, I think that was a pretty pivotal uh, part of my part of my life. Um, so I had actually started a company while I was in college called Book Exchange, um, and essentially it is a marketplace where students could buy and sell textbooks directly to each other. Um, when I was at UK, most students would buy textbooks from a bookstore, whether that was like the UK bookstore or Kennedy's bookstore. Um, Wildcat textbook was another one, and I mean. To be frank, it was just a ripoff to go to those stores and to pay $150 for a textbook that I was going to use for three months and then not need it anymore and go back to that bookstore and try to sell that book back to the bookstore um, and get about $10 on you know a book I paid over $100 for just three months ago. So we uh, identified that problem and we thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could just sell these books to the students that were going to take the class next semester and cut out the middleman? Um, so essentially, pretty simple concept, but think of it as eBay for college students for textbooks only. Um, started it at UK, and we're having a lot of success actually with the uh, with the business uh, early on, um, to the point where we we had thousands of transactions that were happening within the first couple semesters. Um, you know, thousands of students were signing up for this. Uh, we ended up expanding. The business to several other universities in the region. So we next went to NKU and U of L and Tennessee and a few others that were in this region. And as we were growing this business, we were also um, starting to attract some some potential investor attention and some some interesting kind of articles about what we were doing. So um, really, like while I was in college, I felt like this is probably what I'm gonna do after I graduate college is run this, run this business. Um, and as it got closer to the time that we were going to graduate from college and just kind of realized, Hey, this is something that like, if we're going to do this, we've got to really be able to scale this thing up and be at more than the 10 or 15 universities that we're at to make this thing profitable. So we um, started to think about who we could maybe partner with to get the book exchange website on every single college campus as quickly as possible across the U S. And the idea that we came up with was, well, around this time, there was a website called Facebook that had come out and they were expanding to every single college all across the nation. And they were doing it much quicker than we were, um, but they had the same target audience. And at the time, this was the case that you actually had to have a .edu email address to sign up for Facebook. So it was, it was only targeting college students who were like, what a perfect partnership for us to go after if we have this service for college students and they're ahead of us at getting to the majority of the campuses. Um, let's just go see if Facebook is interested in partnering with us or potentially buying us. So we put together um, kind of a pitch deck and a plan where we were going to go out to California and we were going to visit the Facebook headquarters. And uh, embarrassingly uh, to admit, we our, our pitch deck was developed in a very sophisticated graphic design tool called Microsoft Paint. Um, <laughs> ever, ever used this oh, yeah. tool or not? But really sophisticated, really advanced graphic design um, <laughs> that we were able to put together our pitch deck with, and um, we kind of put together some uh, a slide deck that was basically presenting how. Book Exchange could integrate with Facebook and why they should partner with us and how that's going to provide a, um, some some value to their customers. Um, so we fly out to San Francisco. We get uh, we actually ordered the cheapest rental car that we could possibly afford, but then we got lucky and they didn't have any of them, so we got to upgrade to like a free convertible. 
proceeded to drive down to Facebook headquarters, which I think at the time were in Palo Alto or Mountain View. And we, we got down there, knocked on the uh, doors of Facebook headquarters, and uh, we very, very boldly asked to, uh, to talk to Mark Zuckerberg. And at the time, the, this sounds completely unreasonable right now, and it was, it was probably pretty unreasonable at the time we were doing it, but at least a little bit more reasonable because the company was only, I don't know, 50 to 100 employees. Um, the person who answers the door, his name is Noah Kagan. And Noah says, uh, well, I don't think you're going to talk to Mark, but I'll, uh, I'll talk to you for a few minutes if you, if you just want to, you know, tell me what you're, what you're here for. So we're like, well, okay, sure. Let's talk to, let's talk to Noah about this. So we get on our laptop and we open up our Microsoft Paint pitch deck and start to kind of talk about how they need to integrate book exchange into Facebook. And Noah hears us out for about 20 minutes or so. And then he, uh, he proceeds to uh, tell us that um, there's absolutely no chance that Facebook is going to partner with us or that they're going to acquire us. He uh, tells us that he actually had a book exchange idea too when he was in college. So he thinks it's cute that we flew all the way across the country uh, to tell him about our book exchange company that we've started. Um, and he basically was like, hey, if you guys were in a thousand schools already, or if pretty much if you were about a thousand times bigger than you are right now, we would be interested in, in buying you. But right now you are worth pretty much as much money that's in your bank account, um, which was pretty hard to hear yeah. something that you've been working on for two or three years. Um, and it's essentially worth nothing um, at this point. And he was, he was right though, because as we would explore other potential partners and buyers, we pretty much got the same message. Um, so uh, a lot of lessons learned from from starting that company, but to kind of get to uh, kind of what what I was planning on doing after graduation, and it was able to at least eliminate that as a possibility uh, because we we realized that hey, we just weren't growing fast enough, and this just wasn't going to be a viable path to support our team um, with with the progress that we had made in the first two or three years of that company. So. I actually, um, at that point, scheduled a meeting with the president of the university at the time. His name was Lee Todd. And Lee Todd, uh, an entrepreneur himself, and I knew that he was an entrepreneur, sold a company to IBM, sold another company to Hughes Aircraft. Um, so I wanted to kind of get uh, get a meeting with him and pick his brain on just what I should do next, if, if entrepreneurship was something that I should continue, continue to pursue or not. So um, after... Lots of uh, bugging of his secretary and trying to, to get a meeting with him. I did land a meeting with uh, President Lee Todd and I sat in his office and told him, Hey, I'm about to finish up my master's in econ. And I think what I really want to do is run my own company. I think that's what I'm passionate about. Sorry, I know that's what I'm passionate about. And I think that's what I'm supposed to do. But that's kind of scary uh, because, for one, I just failed miserably at doing that the last three years and created a company that's worth nothing. And for two, there's just really no certainty. There's, there's not a lot of stability going down that path. So that's what I think I want to do. Um, but on the other hand, I've got these job offers where I can go be a computer programmer for Lexmark or a computer programmer for some of these other companies in town, get a stable salary, get some stable benefits. Everything looks pretty uh, stable down that path. So what should I do? And he, he kind of stops me before I even get the whole question out. And he's like, Brian, if what you want to do, if what you're actually passionate about and what you really care about is starting your own company, then just go do that and just go give it a try. Whether it's for a year or two years, just, just go try it. Worst case scenario is that you fail at this again. And in a year or two from now, you can go get a software job at one of these companies that's hiring a programmer and you'll have that stability if you need it. But if what you're actually passionate about is starting your own company, then at least you will have tried it and gone all in one time to, to give this a chance. So I literally left his office that day and decided, okay, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I called up my brother, called up my, uh, another friend of mine. And I said, Hey boys, we're going to, we're going to start a company. Um, this is what I think we're going to do going to be custom software for now. 
um, and they were on board. They were graduating one semester after I was. Um, so we, we uh, decided that was what all three of us were going to do upon graduation. And that was, that was how we founded our first software company out of college, which was Apex Software. Yeah. And then eventually Apex and Awesome Inc. Uh, to talk about that relationship and kind of how Awesome Inc. Um, and Apex you know, came out of uh, that, that talk with, uh, with President Todd. With, yes. Yeah. yeah President Todd. Yeah. So, um, so Apex was the company that we started right out of college. And from starting that company, we really just kind of realized that, man, it's hard to start a company um, really anywhere, but it's especially hard to start a company in a place like Kentucky, um, where there's not a huge entrepreneurial community. There aren't a ton of resources that are available to entrepreneurs. Um, you're just kind of like the weird person in the room. If you raise your hand and say, what am I going to do after college? Oh, I'm going to start a company like you look around and everybody else is like, no, I'm going to go get a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the side of like, well, I don't that's know. why I'm paying a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. This <laughs> education goes straight to a job. Yeah. So that's what, that's what most people do when they go to college. Um, and I think that's what especially most people do when they go to college at someplace like uh, someplace in Kentucky. So um, we, we wanted to kind of change a little bit of that culture. Um, and from, experience a lot of the hurdles and the obstacles of starting a company ourselves a couple times over. Um, we realized that there was a huge gap there in Kentucky. Um, so that was really the inspiration for starting Awesome Inc. was to create a community of like-minded individuals that wanted to pursue entrepreneurship as a viable path. Um, and instead of going and getting a job, going and creating a job. Yeah. What was the, the initial work like to one, build Apex, get clients, and two, kind of build excitement around entrepreneurship where you said, you know, it's not necessarily something this area is known for or had in place yet. Yeah. So, um, I mean, building Apex was was challenging because there wasn't a huge community of entrepreneurship and it did feel, it felt very lonely at times uh, being, like I said, kind of like the weird person in the room that wasn't going and getting a job, but instead creating a job. And um, I think... One of the huge benefits that we had in starting Apex, though, was the fact that we had started Book Exchange while we were in college. So even though that company ended up being a huge failure and by all the metrics in which you would measure success of a business, Apex failed. Uh, We got a report card that basically said you failed at this. Um, At the same time, all the experiences that we gained and all the lessons that we learned and most importantly, the connections that we made. Um, was what I think led to the success of Apex Software. So to give you some examples of that, most of our initial clients were connections that we had made through Book Exchange. Um, And the rest of our initial clients, they only asked us for one thing when we would go in and pitch them on, hey, we think we can build this software for you, or we can build your website this way, or we can build a mobile app for you. They would say, well, can you show me some software that you built. That, that was the only question that they really cared about was like, show me if you're going to build my website or you're going to build the software, then like show me something that you've already built. So we were fortunate enough to be able to point to book exchange as a piece of software, as a website that we had already built and it was functional and it was used by thousands of people. And it was something that they were able to like actually touch and use on the web. And because of that portfolio piece, that we were able to land our first several clients at Apex Software. Um, and then rolling into to Awesome Inc., I mean, I think we faced a lot of the same types of challenges because this, this idea of kind of building up this entrepreneurial community and having a, a physical space that serves as a co-working space and an events venue, and then later on an accelerator slash incubator program, and, and now in a coding boot camp, these were all pretty new ideas for this part of, this part of the country. Um, and while a lot of these things were already happening in, in other parts of the country, you know, on the coast or in Boulder or in Austin, um, they weren't really things that investors were super savvy with um, when it came to this area or this part of the country. Um, so there was a lot of, a lot of kind of education that had to go into it um, and just kind of informing people of what it is that we're even trying to do and kind of pointing to these other communities that, um, that demonstrate, hey, this can happen and this can work yeah. in the community. 
like Lexington. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one interesting thing you're talking about is um, even at a micro within, you were talking about the micro within individual companies, like greasing the wheels and showing that you have case studies and just getting the momentum going. But in a community, it's the same way. Uh, once you get a few startups and a few you know, people doing investors and few people doing what, you know, breeds entrepreneurship, then the, the train starts going, greases the wheels and it, yeah. the momentum gets going and it, it just really pushes forward. And I, when I think of Austin Inc., I think of, you know, the, your accelerators and incubators, and that's what you're doing for the city of Lexington. I was yeah. really pushing that forward and all started, you know, with APAX and what you had done with Book Exchange. Tracing right. back to that. Now, what was I mean, your, uh, sorry, what was your motivation to start Awesome Inc.? Was it the experience that you had with APAX and how you felt lonely doing that and how you felt like you were the odd person out creating a job? Um, or was it something deeper? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think that was definitely a big part of it was we just kind of identified this gap in our community that there, um, there just kind of lacked a central place where entrepreneurs could get together and, and not be the only person in the room that was doing the thing that they were doing. Um, I think another part of it though, was um, we had made a commitment pretty early on. So I, I actually remember like this conversation pretty vividly with one of my co-founders. So we were getting out of um, grad school, both of us close to the same time. And I, let's say we were, uh, we were probably 24, 25 at the time. We were talking about the idea of starting Awesome Inc. Um, and we we kind of made a pact that we were like, all right, at the age of 31, Lexington has to be recognized as a cooler place than it is today. Yeah. And at the same time, and we also are going to then leave Lexington and go to another place that like we think is is a cooler place. Um, so we wanted to bring Lexington to make it a cooler place. And then we were also planning on like piecing out at that point and our work would be done and we would move on to a different place. Um, but somewhere along the way, I was like, man, this, now that like Lexington is a cooler place, I don't think I want to leave anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we built a ton of relationships and all these ties and all of these things happening that we wanted to continue to, to be a part of. Um, so I think that that maybe is a little bit of the deeper um, reason behind uh, starting Awesome Inc. was that we wanted to just make Lexington a cooler city to, to live in and a cooler city to, to live in. Um, and then, I mean, I think at the root of, of all of it and pretty much any, any entrepreneurial venture that I've, I've ever been a part of is that I want to I help people pursue their definition of awesome. So if that means that you want to start your own company and that's your definition of awesome, then we want to help you do that. If you want to learn a new skill, whether it's how to be a better designer or how to be a better programmer, then we want to help you do that. Um, if you want to create a portfolio so that you can go land some awesome job, then we want to help you do that as well. Um, but just helping people pursue their definition of awesome and, and reach their goals has always been at the core of everything that we do. Yeah. So you've been around for how many years now? So Awesome Inc. turns 10 wow. in April. You have a... You have a- celebration i don't know we haven't yeah we haven't uh, planned anything specifically yeah. but i'm sure we'll i'm sure we'll do something yeah so you're about 10 years in uh what are some of the programs you guys offer here to do exactly what you just described uh, you know help people yeah. accomplish what they view as awesome absolutely so um i mean pretty much from the beginning we realized that uh, events were going to be pretty integral to building this community as just a and a vehicle for getting people out uh in, into the downtown area, into our space and around other other potential entrepreneurs or other current entrepreneurs. Um, so a lot of the events that we've worked on, Five Across is a big one. So this is essentially a pitch contest. Think Shark Tank, but just for Lexington. And that's essentially what we were trying to build with Five Across. So that one started in our second year of Awesome Inc. And it's been going every other month since then. Uh, we actually have the finals of, of Five Across coming up a week from today on December 5th. Um, for this year's uh, edition. So that's been a pretty big one. And that event has grown tremendously um, and, and kind of, I guess, following up with, with what you were saying, Evan, about how at, in the beginning it get, it's really hard to do some of these things. And then it just gets a little bit easier and easier as you get the flywheel going. Um, Five Across is a perfect example of that. When we started Five Across in 2010, I was literally begging my friends to like, pitch at this event i was like hey man like i remember a few months ago you were telling me about this idea that you had and 
helping with it, but would you mind putting together a slide deck and a five minute presentation and you can come try to win $500 at our pitch contest? I mean, we were just begging people to sign up yeah. to pitch for five across. Um, and we were like, I mean, we would just invite anybody and everybody that we could get that was just that had a pulse to show up and watch these pitches. Um, and if we could get 50 people in the room, we were doing really well. Um, but now that event, I mean, it, it drives itself. We get plenty of applicants every um, every pitch contest that we host every other month. We we never have less than 125, 150 attendees that show up. This finals event, we're shooting for 300 attendees. And it's, it's outgrown the awesome ink space so much that we're doing it down at the Kentucky Theater. Um, so that's that's a perfect example of, I think, when you get the flywheel going, it just gets easier and easier yeah. to keep it keep it in motion. That's awesome. Cause the more you did it, more investors started to show up because they noticed there were some good ideas showing, right. uh, being shown. And then that influences more people to come and pitch. So yeah, yeah, totally. yeah absolutely. So yeah. it's been a lot of momentum building on that event. Um, startup weekend is another example. So um, we Lexington was actually fortunate enough to be one of the first cities in the nation to host a startup weekend. Um, we, we got pretty, pretty lucky the way that we, we got to host one. Um, initially to host a startup weekend, you had to get enough votes on the startup weekend website to where your city would get voted up, where they would come in and they would host a startup weekend in your community. Um, and as a city the size of Lexington really just never had a chance to outvote these bigger markets like Boston, and San Francisco, and New York, and all of them. That's pretty much where they focused. Um, but on a trip that we took, kind of an exploratory trip, which ironically was paid for by the current mayor like mayor gray actually funded one of like mine and my business partners trips out to boulder colorado just to like research entrepreneurship and learn as much as we can and he did it out of his out of his own pocket Um, but we met the founder of startup weekend who was working with an organization called Techstars out there Um, so andrew hyde started startup weekend and this was i think this is probably 2008 uh, when we were taking this trip but we were fortunate enough to meet Andrew. And when we met him, we said, hey, like we want to do a startup weekend in Lexington, Kentucky. There's no way we're ever going to get enough votes to be like picked by you guys, though. So what do we what do we do? How do we how do we hack this thing and make this happen in Lexington? And he was like, well, I'll tell you what, like if you guys are willing to do a lot of the heavy lifting, then like just you can just do it. Just pick a date and tell me when and we'll make it happen. Um, so because of that interaction that we had with Andrew, we were Lexington was fortunate enough to to be one of the first cities to do a startup weekend. And now this year we just did a startup weekend, uh, the weekend of November 16th. And that I think was our 12th startup weekend in Lexington. Um, so we've, we've probably had uh, one, we're probably one of the cities that has hosted startup weekend um, the most times. And uh, it's a, it's a huge community building and just a great experience yeah. for the entrepreneurs that show up to, to a weekend like that. And I would encourage any, anybody who's even thinking yeah. about entrepreneurship to, to check out a startup. Weekend. Yeah. I think I've done it two or three times. I know uh, when Michael Lewis and TJ Barnett, who uh, were the founders of the first startup I got involved in, which was finance you, that was an idea that came out of that. And that was uh, something that, you know, led into a group of now entrepreneurs that you know are doing awesome things here in Lexington. And um, you know, it's really a great you know, incubator and yeah. Uh, really get some good talent and bring some communities together like you just described. So yeah. awesome event. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really fun. So it is awesome. So describe it a little bit because I think we kind of glossed over that. It's from like Friday to Sunday and it's just an intense build a business session, right? Yeah, exactly. So you show up on Friday night and you may have an idea or you may not have an idea. It doesn't really matter. Um, but ideas get pitched by some of the attendees and then the top ideas kind of get voted to um, go on throughout the weekend and you self-select into whichever team that's working on the idea that you're the most interested in. So this past startup weekend, I think there were seven companies that were started. Um, it's, it's essentially a 54 hour event that goes from Friday night till Sunday night. Um, the, the idea is that you're just, you are literally practicing entrepreneurship, um, from, having an idea all the way to building the product. Hopefully you've even got a few test customers and you've got a pitch that you're going to give on Sunday night. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just all about experiencing entrepreneurship firsthand. I mean, sometimes the companies do go on and turn into successful things like finance you did. Um, 
oftentimes they like they don't and that's totally fine because you're getting you're just giving experience to potential entrepreneurs and all the relationships that are built the connections that are made um, really make it a worthwhile event to, to check out yeah absolutely and then why don't we go into you know there's a few other little things or not little things there's a few other programs you guys do let's touch on those real quick sure um you know the co-working the fellowship uh, and then the main thing that I want to talk about is the boot camp because that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we have our co-working space. Um, pretty straightforward. You can rent a desk. You can rent private office space. Um, but that's that's one of the offerings that we have for kind of building the community here. Is uh, We interviewed Morgan Franklin. Is he Morgan is one of, of our community? members here. Yeah. yeah, he's upstairs. He's got yeah. a private office. Um, yeah, so he's, yeah, and he's been very involved in our community yeah. as well. Um, I mean, there are, there are a few other co-working spaces in town as well. So, Base uh, Base 110, Randall, so we work pretty closely with them. Um, the Plantry is here for nonprofits and we work closely with them as well. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, that's one of our offerings. We have the fellowship program, which is essentially our incubator accelerator. It's kind of a hybrid model that we put together, but that's, that's our flagship entrepreneurial program. Um, it's an educational program for entrepreneurs that are pretty far along. So you need to have a decent amount of traction. Um, typically, they've either raised a little bit of money already or they, they have some decent revenues that they're bringing in. And then our goal is just to accelerate them through a 12-month program to get them to that next inflection point um, to where they're ready for the next, the next step in their business, whether that's raising an A round or hiring their next few employees or developing the next iteration of their product. So... Um, that program has been doing really well. We've actually, I think we have, at this point, we've served 36 companies. Wow. Those companies have raised over $30 million in outside funding, and they've created over 180 jobs that's in the state of Kentucky. That's really amazing. So that, that's, that's a program that we, we're really proud of that program, and like we've got a lot of partners that have made that program work. Um, Cabinet for Economic Development helps support that program. Windstream helps support that program. Um, Dinsmore and Scholl is the law firm that supports us. RE Financial is the um, kind of the financial services that these fellowship companies get. But it's a uh, it's something that's really valuable to the teams that go through yeah. that. Are all those Lexington based companies, or are some of them remote? They're that? they're all over the state of Kentucky. Yeah. So some are Lexington, some are Louisville, some are from Elizabethtown, some are Northern Kentucky. Really all over. Yeah. You're from Elizabethtown. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we actually have two companies that have gone through the program from Elizabethtown, and both of them are doing really well. Schedule it. Um, and custom college recruiting. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, he just got uh, the Kentucky Entrepreneurs Hall of Fame. He was one of the emerging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Shane Howard, the founder of Custom College Recruiting, uh, was one of the members of the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, which is an, another event that we we started back in 2010. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned the coding boot camp um, is a, another offering that we have. So we just started this coding boot camp about two and a half uh, years ago. Um, we've had five cohorts that have gone through it, but the way that it works is a cohort will will start on day one, and it's typically about 10 students that go through a cohort, and they will go through a three-month program uh, where they're basically learning how to be a software developer. Um, we focus on, on web development in our boot camp, um, full stack, so we do front-end and back-end uh, work, and these students, by the time that they graduate, they are ready for hire. So they're junior developer ready for hire. Um, they've actually, we, we actually are batting a thousand right now. So we've been very fortunate to be able to place 100% of our graduates in Amazing. jobs. Um, and most of them in Lexington and kind of the surrounding areas to Lexington. Um, so that's a program that, like I said, we started that a couple, like two, three years ago. Um, we're in our sixth cohort right now. Um, and yeah, we're, we've been just ecstatic with how the, the results have worked out and how we've been able to, to place every one of those graduates in, in a job. Awesome. So what's of all those programs of everything that you do here, I make, what's probably your favorite and most fulfilling part of, of doing what you do? Oh man. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, somebody's probably going to get mad no matter what I, what I <laughs> that runs these programs is going to be really happy and the others are going to be upset. Um, I mean, I like, I really do enjoy all the different, different parts of what we do. Um, I think surprisingly, probably the answer lies with maybe working with our interns. 
Um, so we have a program called Team Alpha, which is our internship program at Awesome Inc. Um, you mentioned Michael Lewis uh, earlier, who's one of the founders of Finance U. Yep. He actually, I think that's how we met originally, was he was a, an intern at Awesome Inc. through Team Alpha. So I love working with our, our internship program just because they're really high potential individuals, usually students at the college level, um, that are just so eager to learn and get the experience that they can so that they can go on to um, whatever it is their goal is. Like I said, maybe their maybe their goal or their definition of awesome is that they want to start a company and we can give them the experience to do that. Um, maybe they want to go get land some awesome job at Google or get some get into some grad school at Stanford or Harvard. Um, and all of these things have, have happened with our with our interns. So we we now have interns that that are working at Google or working at Facebook or Eventbrite and companies like that. Um, we've got interns that have gone on to be the assistant for the mayor of Lexington or um, interns that have gone on to be um, grad students at Stanford, grad students at UT Austin, Harvard, and the likes. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's probably the most rewarding yeah. program that we have. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, we talked briefly about it, the Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame. Uh, I was at that event uh, with Fuji. We had a table because uh, Greg Morton was one of the uh, emerging entrepreneurs as well. Mm-hmm. He's the founder of Fuji. And to open up the event, uh, you had an awesome speech. Um, it was really emotional. It was really uh, inspirational. Um, talk about what that was, which was uh, kind of you relating uh, this experience of you adopting the children mm-hmm. and setting an example to the entrepreneurship world. Yeah. Kind of talk through that speech and, and uh, sure. how that came about. Yeah, so um, I guess kind of the the premise for the entire talk was that uh, just the importance of of being an example and how all of us can be an example to somebody else. Um, so I, I related that that topic to my wife and I are currently fostering three girls, um, and I'm completely clueless as to what yeah what that is supposed to look like. Uh, and fortunately, I have examples that I can turn to, whether it's my parents or other um, other faithful like men and, and women that are in my life that have demonstrated what being a good parent looks like, I'm able to kind of look to them as the example of, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing as I'm trying to navigate the process of, yeah. of, of raising these, these three girls, two of which are teenagers, and one of which is a, a three-year-old who's the daughter of one of the teenagers. So... Um, it's obviously a complicated puzzle to to piece together um, in the same way that starting a business is a complicated puzzle to piece together. And I think that um, it requires that you have mentors and it requires that you have good examples that you can look to um, when you're trying to start a business and be an entrepreneur. So I think that um, one of the one of the huge benefits of the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame is that we've identified the examples that you need to follow if you want to be an entrepreneur. So these are all examples from the state of Kentucky. Um, there's 30 something entrepreneurs now that are in the Kentucky entrepreneur hall of fame, and they're all ultra successful at their, their individual ventures. Um, and they are people that we can turn to and say, Hey, how do I, um, how do I go about hiring my first few employees or how do I go about developing a marketing plan or how do I go about selling my company when it gets to that stage? Um, and we have examples and stories that we can we can read up on and, and identify the correct path and just really how to put those those pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, yeah, that really set the stage for the event. I remember just how uh, looking around everybody's face and, and seeing you up there yeah. and walk off the stage is definitely a great moment. I think that was one of the things I remember from that from that event. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so let's transition. We always love to end the podcast with. Uh, kind of a forward-looking statement or forward-looking view on where Kentucky, where Lexington, where the Mideast uh, is going as far as entrepreneurship goes. Um, I think, like I said, that all ties back to Awesome Inc. and what they're doing um, and how you guys are enabling things in this region. And you guys are going to be able to do a lot better and a lot more of what you're doing now because you just received a grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk more about what that is and um, kind of where that came from? Yeah, so so the grant uh, that we just received it's from the Cabinet for Economic Development, um, and it is it's part of the Rise program. So that's that's what they're calling it is the the Rise Initiative. 
Um, but the, the purpose of the, the grant is to um, accelerate entrepreneurial activity throughout the state of Kentucky. So there are, I think there are either four or five recipients of this grant across the state of Kentucky um, with Awesome Inc. leading the Lexington um, collaborative of the, of the grant. Um, so we, we partnered with a whole bunch of different organizations here in Lexington. So the University of Kentucky is a partner of ours. Um, Commerce Lexington is a partner of ours. The Small Business Development Center is a partner. Governor School for Entrepreneurship is a partner. Base 110 is a partner. The Bluegrass Angels are their partner of ours. So there's there are there are dozens of partners that we've been able to kind of get together and, and work on this uh, this grant proposal uh, with. And the grant was was accepted, and and it will be a, a large influx in resources to the Lexington region. Um, that will allow us to to just do do even more um, of what we've already been doing and try out some new things as well to build up the entrepreneurial community. Um, a lot of what we're going to focus on is going to be um, entrepreneurship education. So there's going to be a lot of kind of online materials that we'll be producing. Um, there's going to be a lot of like curriculum that we're going to be working on and trying to get it into um, schools, both K through 12 and also into to colleges. Um, we're going to be trying to create more content um, that incorporates some of the stories from the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame inductees, um, as well as continuing to to grow some of our current initiatives like the fellowship program, like a lot of the events that we host um, and do more with this physical space that we've got here. But we've got a great group of partners um, helping us out with this with this initiative. Um, and yeah, we're really excited about kind of what we'll, what we'll be able to do starting in 2019 yeah. with some of these additional resources. Totally. Uh, what's the time frame look like on this? Is it, do you get it as a lump sum? Is it over a certain amount of years? What's that look like? Yeah. So it's, um, it is the initial time period is starting from date of signed contract, which is going to be any day now, um, through the end of June. Um, so that one's like, a little over half of a year, I guess, kind of on that initial time frame, um, and that so that's a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant that we received for that time frame, and then we will have the option to renew that um, for up to three to five years, kind of depending on how things go in Frankfurt and performance uh, yeah. metrics that we're we're kind of measuring our success off of as well. That's amazing. So let's kind of end it with uh, kind of two two questions. Sure. Uh, where do you see, what's your current point of view of entrepreneurship here in Lexington? Mm -hmm. And then going forward, what's your um, hope that what it becomes 10 years from now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to, I'll start it off just by giving, giving Lexington kind of a a score that I would, I would just rate Lexington. So I think that, um, actually let me go back 10 years first. So I think if you go back 10 years, and you say, hey, what is, how does Lexington score um, when it comes to a place for entrepreneurship and a place where entrepreneurs can, can start businesses? Um, I would say it was somewhere probably around a three out of 10. Um, I think fast forward 10 years to today, and I think Lexington is around a, a six, uh, seven out of 10, perhaps. Um, and I would like Lexington to be a 10 out of 10 yeah. in 10 more years. So that's kind of what we're, what we're shooting for. I think we're seeing a lot of a lot of national recognition, a lot of you know articles and, yeah. and news sources that are saying, yeah, Lexington is a great place to start a business. Lexington is a great place to relocate to and um, and, and start a new venture. Uh, I think that a lot of the pieces are starting to come together. So there's capital that's being deployed much uh, much faster in a much more efficient way. Um, there are mentors that are stepping up to help out. There are a lot more entrepreneurs. Um, that are starting companies like Fuji, like Make Time, um, that are creating some of that momentum. We talked about that flywheel earlier. I think it's just going to get easier and easier to keep that flywheel moving faster and faster as we uh, as we continue to to play off of the momentum that we've got. Um, but that would be that kind of be my scoring system of like I think we're at about a, a seven out of ten, and yeah. I want to get us to a, a ten out of ten, and that will be our. That will be Austin Inc.'s 20-year anniversary. And for those of you that have read Startup Communities, uh, Brad Feld wrote this book a few years ago. Um, 
he talks about how it needs to be a 20-year journey. So building an entrepreneurial community is a 20-year journey. Now, he also kind of says that it's a 20-year journey that starts over every single day, um, which I don't completely understand how that how that works. <laughs> but if we were starting our 20-year journey from the day that we opened the doors at Austin Inc., um, I, I will feel like we have been successful if we have taken the community over 20 years to, to the point where um, a lot more of that entrepreneurial activity um, is happening. And I think that some of kind of the, uh, the vanity metrics, if you will, that I would, I would measure this by um, would be, well, one, it would be awesome if you could walk into a coffee shop and hear just as much conversation about tech startups mm-hmm. or somebody's business that they want to, their business idea that they want to start hear just as much of that conversation as you do about Kentucky basketball or reality TV or yeah, yeah. anything like that. And I mean, I'm a huge Kentucky basketball fan. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I would love the, the idea of walking into a coffee shop and just like everywhere I turned, like somebody's talking about their entrepreneurial venture or their, their investment deal that they're trying to close. Um, so that would be one of the, I guess, vanity metrics that I would measure success off of. Um, I think more stuff like what you guys are doing right here um, is is critical to growing the community. Um, I mean, I've, I've listened to several of your guys' podcasts now, and I think that this type of stuff is instrumental to gaining that momentum and just sharing some of the stories that are happening. Just being, um, yeah, just just being a forum for that. Um, and I think I think getting a lot of the a lot of the current entrepreneurs kind of to that next stage to where maybe they have an exit or maybe they've started um, some of these, these much larger companies so that there is more capital and there is more experience, entrepreneurial experience that's been through the cycle another time or two. And then we can see them give back to the community as well. We kind of talk about how the entrepreneur hall of fame ties, ties all of this together, but um Another, I guess, vanity metric that I would I would give you would be a really cool thing to see is to watch a company pitch at five across just with their their idea one day, and then make their way to the point where they're ready for the fellowship program, and then someday down the road they get inducted into the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, and at that point you would have seen the entire cycle. So they go from idea to Hall of Fame entrepreneur um, where they've They've essentially made it as as an entrepreneur, and their their company has essentially made it as well. So uh, that would be that would be my definition of awesome for for Lexington, Kentucky.